0: OTB. Probably days we were questioning maybe whether this would ever happen first. So now I know. As I said, it's special, and it'll be all undone is the only thing if we don't get over the line next week. So um, everything is riding on that one.
1: Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The
2: Club Championship Show on OTB in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the Football, Hurling, and Camogie All Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag
3: the toughest. Welcome along to the Club Championship Show here on AI, here on OTB Sports, brought to you by AIB. We've got a very busy weekend ahead with the intermediate and junior hurling and football finals at Crow Park. We'll be looking back on the semi finals in the weekend just gone by, which included the two senior semi finals. We know it's going to be Kilmacock Crokes for the second year in a row going for the American Cup when they go up against first time All Ireland finalists and first time Ulster champions, Glenn. We'll be talking to Colin Keyes a little bit later on in the programme. We'll hear from Kilmacock Crokes boss Robbie Brennan and also Malky O'Rourke giving us a glenn. Perspective a little bit later on, but we begin by looking forward to the games this weekend, including Saturday night. It is the second of a double header, the All Ireland Club Intermediate Hurling Championship final, where Toreen of Mayo are up against Monoline of Limerick, 7 pm at Croke Park. Delighted to say that Andrew Latouche Cosgrave of Monoline is with us. Andrew, how are you getting on this morning?
4: I'm good now
3: on yourself. Ah, look, I'm good. Look, All-Ireland week, and you're no stranger to it at inter-county level with Limerick having been an All-Ireland medalist back in 2018. But to be here with your club, and particularly when I think of the year that you've just had as well, where you were having surgery, coming back from injury, uh, back then for the big games this year, like the county final and the run through the provincial, it must be fantastic to be looking forward to an All-Ireland final at Crowe Park with your club.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, it's surreal, as I said. Um, it's amazing. Like You know, you'd never think you'll get there. And just from a personal level, it's great for myself, And uh, with the, the work I had done to, me, with the work I'd done, done to me and with the team I had around to get me back. It's just surreal, because like, I didn't think I'd be hurling at all this year, you know. So just to be in an All-Ireland final with, with the club is just unreal. Yeah,
3: because I was reading about the fact that your, I think it was your granddad was driving you along to watch the team at different times during the year, because you couldn't drive directly after the surgery. It must have felt a long way back at that stage.
4: I couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel as they say I was yeah the, the old fellow was bringing me up to trainings into the matches and that and because he'd be heavily involved and I was watching the lads train and I was in a boot and I couldn't walk and the crutches and I just uh, it, it's only for the boys doing so well it gave me hope and as I said to, as I said to other people I just I saw a spark when I'm watching the train and watching how the boys trained the the lads I just kind of knew that there was something brewing there so it, Thankfully, it's all coming off and one more step to go out.
3: Well, look, during your absence stated at the job in what proved to be a very competitive Premier Intermediate Championship in Limerick this year. Because, look, sometimes a club goes down and they get into a rut, but it felt like there was a real determination within your club to get back up to the senior ranks again as quickly as possible.
4: Yeah, it's, um, you probably heard me saying it or anyone from Limerick, that Premier Intermediate group, it's just, it's chaotic altogether. Anything can happen in that group. So uh, just to, I suppose the goal was even... Get a semi-final, finish in top four, um, get onto a county final, promotion. Don't in the back of my mind, but as I said, it's all bonus territory. So it is again, it's all just, just all surreal.
2: And Andrew, what was the difference? Would you say you said that when you're injured and you're watching, you seen a, a spark? So what was the difference? Would you say within the squad getting relegated from senior and then going straight back up? So what was the main difference this year?
4: You know, I suppose. Uh, it's, it's a very it's very hard to put your finger on it it's one of them things now where in a week's time or a month's time you'll sit down and be like look that's what was the trigger point you know it's very hard to put your finger on it but there's just so much stuff like the hurling committee that was started at, at first and then we had our own initiative as players to go back to the gym in October time and then we had a bit of luck getting a great management involved and then the youth in our club was brilliant and they really they really drove us older lads so there's just loads of stuff that you can kind of pick out from. So I don't actually know what is the trigger that turned it, if you if you, if you know what I'm saying.
2: And sometimes, yeah, you probably have to reach that low point in order to push on and, and get the highs of obviously an All-Ireland final. Day. Would you say that it was quite a low point within the club when he got relegated?
4: It was, of course. Now, as I said, we got relegated, but we knew we were better than that. And it was ourselves, we, we weren't 100% committed, we we kind of just, we just went through the motions for two years or so, and COVID had a lot to play as well, like, you know, you've, I think we had three matches and you're relegated, like, you know, we had two, two group games the way it was, and look, we were, we were grateful that we could play games during COVID, like, but that has a lot to play as well, so, yeah, it was just kind of, we kind of came from ourselves as well, we were, we were like, we don't belong down down here, like, so, it was, um, it was a kind of a drive in itself having getting relegated.
3: I heard you say about a month ago that there was this perception around Limerick that perhaps you were a little bit of a soft touch was there a fairness about that or um, was that something you were determined to prove wasn't actually the case
4: well we would have heard it every now and again like you know you'd, you'd hear managers saying it to us X, Y and Z at times you know but there would have been a degree of it a few years ago, like, but I definitely think that the management this year have kind of have got that out of us, and now there's still more to go on us, like, but it definitely is something that we had talked about a lot, like, that we just don't want to have that name, you know. So, I think we've fairly rectified it now, and it's kind of it feels better to have that put to bed.
3: Yeah, the management this year, so Owen Brislin from Tipperary, the former Tip Hurler, and people probably know known through Tumi Vara as well, uh, came into the club. What's he changed, or what's the management been like this year then?
4: They've changed everything. Um, it, again, very hard to put your finger on it, but the whole thing has just been turned upside down. And that's fairly evident. You know, an All Ireland final, Munster champions, county champions, uh, it's just history being made like. Um, I, again, I don't know what, what it was. It's just he's very good. He's very good with us. It's just like a, a natural rapport with us and the trainers. So credit to Owen and his team. They're, they've been fantastic. like
3: and what a great run you're on now at the moment it's like in a way priority number one would have been to win the county championship and get yourselves back to senior that's goal number one but to become the first team from the club to win a provincial title with that victory against Ross Grey last month and now to be going on to an All-Ireland final um, you're probably aware of what a fantastic achievement this is which you know your mates your neighbours the guys that you grew up with as well
1: yeah
4: it's 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 mad I said it in an interview after the Ross Grey game like it's all just bonus territory you know it's um Again, I keep saying it. It's not even probably going to hit us till a couple of weeks down the line. You know, it's just it's all bonus territory, and we didn't even know we wouldn't even have heard of a morning team getting into the provincial and the All Ireland series. You know, and then and then just to, if you sit back and look at it for a second, and you realise, okay, hang on a minute, you're actually in All Ireland final. It's 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 fairly mad, like.
3: Can you draw on some of your experiences then at inter-county level going into this? Because for many of your teammates, it's going to be something new. I know they've got a provincial medal now in the bag, but going to Crow Park, I mean, you've obviously been there, played there, been with the Limerick senior team, been with Limerick underage teams that were successful as well. Do you try and kind of impart some of your experience, or are the lads nice and calm going into this week anyway?
4: Um, Look, the the lads are very, very, very witted. I'll say a few words to them all right. They'll probably stick a list at me half. but they, they know they know they know what's at stake. They're very intelligent young lads. The older lads are very intelligent as well. they're all as cool as a breeze. There'll be no one will be nothing new. Like I said it before, we're going in it's still a field, you know, you still have four lines, you still have two goalposts so it not nothing changes. It's uh, it's a great great place to play a match absolutely but nothing changes to what we went through.
2: And what's it like for the club and I suppose all the underage players, your family, to know that you're taking the club to Crow Park?
4: Yeah, that's um that's what makes it sweet, you know, like with the county you kinda have the whole county involved with <laughs> you, but with the club it's the people that you see all year round. And it's great to see now I'm in I'm a double at the minute, but when I was down the weekend, it's great to see the whole place being done up with more lean flags and that, you know, and it's great for the club and 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 the family as well it's great for the family it's just a, a big day out in Crow Park you know some of them wouldn't have went up before because they just mightn't have been able but with the club it's just a bit different you might have that drive to get up there quicker than a county match like
3: there is something I think remarkably special about it. We were chatting about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, when during the presidency of Sean Kelly when the championships were brought in for club intermediate and junior and then it moved towards Crow Park being the venue for the finals as well. Like when we look forward to that doubleheader this coming weekend, for the clubs that are involved, this is an unforgettable moment to bring their club to Crow Park. Oh
4: it's, look, it's it's not forgettable, but at the end of the day we still have a job to do. Um I'd say it'll be pretty forgettable if you don't win, mm. and I, I know that myself because I was up there with Limerick in 2014 when we lost to Kilkenny, and it's a it's a very daunting daunting place. Like in 2018, it was great when the we All Ireland, but you know when you're <clears throat> when you're playing and if you don't win, it's 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 I can't even describe the feel. So like, as I said, at the end of the day, we're not going to get caught up in just playing at World park. We're going up to do a job, and hopefully we can come down with the trophy.
3: I'm not sure how much Fergal Boland will have given away when you were getting the photos taken uh, yesterday ahead of the final but how much do you know about Toreen I mean on the face of it like seem to be almost perennial Mayo champions at this stage provide a lot of the backbone of the Mayo Intercounty team as well uh, what's your feeling or what have you learned about your opponents for this Saturday night?
4: Um, look we know they're a fantastic hurling team um, you know we played Bray and they were very physical and great hurlers but we know now that this this team like they're senior champions they have the backbone as the mayo hurlers as you say so we know that we're up against a very hard test and like mayo hurling is the, mayo hurling does the same amount of hurling as limerick hurling you know just because they might be getting the same rewards for it but they're still intercounty hurlers and we are taking that away from Turin, how 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 incredible they are and and they're a big threat so we have to do our homework on them and if we just stick to our passes we, we, um, we look to go and top
3: Andrew just a final one for me you mentioned you know, at the outset that you didn't really see a light at the end of the tunnel and it was very difficult when you were injured and having to watch on and see your teammates you've had a couple of years that have been affected by injury along the way does it almost make you I guess a little bit thankful to have days like this when you've had to watch on and you've had those frustrations over the last 18 months two years particularly
4: it does, but at the end of the day even if I wasn't playing, like I know a friend of mine now he's actually on the team, John, he he got an operation on his leg, like, same thing as me. Um, not the same thing, but he's in a boot, he can't walk like so. I know myself that if I was injured and watched the lights, it's not it's a great thing personally, but it's it's not that's the joys of it, it's nothing to do personally, you know. We're we're doing this together, we're in this together, we're in this for the club, we're in this for our friends, our family, our management. So we all want to be off the same hymn sheet and just enjoy it as much as each other like there's no one kind of enjoying it any bit sweeter than anyone else so we're all just kind of in it together if you know what I mean
3: Well look good luck at Crow Park on Saturday evening thanks a million for joining us on the show
4: No problem thanks a million
3: There you go Ash um, again, like mm-hmm. I can't help but be excited for the prospect of these clubs, yeah. Um, because you know when they when initially when these uh, competitions came in, it was kind of low profile at the start. We'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit about Clifford and Clifford Mania as or More Park at the weekend. Yeah. Um, but these are amazing moments for the clubs to get a chance like this weekend to go to Crow Park, and I even like looking at the players uh, going yesterday and the night before to get their pictures taken at Crow Park beforehand. Like it's an amazing buzz that's built around these finals this
2: weekend. Yeah. Thank God we have these competitions like you had mentioned like Andrew there said that he you know never thought this would be possible with his club and it is extra sweet as he said to be there with your club obviously with your county it's a massive achievement too but to be there with the people you grew up with and you know this is what you hear constantly when you're speaking to the players like we're here with the, the lads and girls we actually grew up with and you know the managers that took us underage the whole way and there's just such special stories in a will and yeah you definitely do feel that buzz when you're you know there in Crow Park or you're speaking to the players after or wherever the games are you know I've always got that bit of an extra buzz about it because it is your club you know it's your community and the whole lot so um, yeah it's it's definitely really special and they're going to be great games this weekend so I'm definitely looking forward to them
3: Yeah, very busy weekend coming up. Uh, We might just take a look at the results in the weekend uh, just gone by uh, to start things off because uh, you were out and about last weekend and actually saw quite a few Mm -hmm. of the matches. You were out both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, So taking a look at the results then from the weekend just gone by, uh, starting off with the games that well, first of all, you were at O'More Park, so you got to see uh, the Junior Football Championship game between Fossa of Kerry and Castletown of Meath. Fossa coming through in the end uh, by three goals and 14 points to 11 points. The other game went to extra time and it was a victory in the end for Stewart St. Harps of Tyrone by one fourteen to one goal and nine against Clifton of Galway. Uh, Garrett Devlin the veteran former Tyrone player uh, scoring a remarkable one goal and six points during the match. In the Intermediate Football Championship again Kerry and Tyrone coming through in these games. Ratmore of Kerry defeating Fettered of Wexford by two goals and 16 points to one goal and ten at Porky Rin, And Galbally Pierce's overcoming Dunmore McHales of Galway. Ronan Nugent with a hat-trick in the first half for Galbally and that one as they came through by four goals and four points to one goal and nine. And so we'll be talking about the seniors a little bit later on with Column Keyes uh, but just for anyone who missed the games from Sunday at Croke Park. Kimmichael Crokes into back-to-back finals. Hugh Kenny with one goal and two points for the Dublin and Leinster champions as they overcame Cairns O'Reilly's of Kerry in the end by 114 to 14 points. And then we had two first time provincial winners who were meeting in the semi-final and it was Glen of Derry who came out on top against Moy Cullen in the end by a couple of points. One goal and 11 to 12 points so if I can bring you back to Saturday first of all you were at More Park um, by the sounds of it it was a Clifford show in that it was Potty and David who did a lot of the damage uh, David got 7 mm-hmm. points I think Potty, yeah. Potty was instrumental it seemed actually in, in setting up scores for Foster too
2: Ah, big time, yeah. I think both of them are so influential, but even the players they have around them, you know, a lot of people said to me after the game, is it just the the Clifford show? Did they just run the show? And it's it's really not, you know, they have such talented players within the squad and, you know, I suppose they know how to play with the Cliffords, they know their strong points, they know how to give them the space but at the same time for for David like what did he get I think it was seven eight mm-hmm. points but he set up so much as well um, and you know it's just unbelievable to see him over in the corner and he grabs the ball and he's just like coming back and forth doing his little dinks and then he just takes his man on and he just leaves him for dead like it's yeah it's it's cruel sometimes to, to see him at that level but for Castletown I think they'll take a lot from it like they're, they're a great side and um, you know, even speaking to some of the players after they, you know, were delighted to be there. To you know, obviously they'd love to have won it, but they are so happy with the run that they've been on, and you know, to get the chance to, to play against David Clifford, Paddy Clifford. You know, I think it's something that they'll never forget. But the pandemonium that went on with it all well was just something else. It was obviously my first time to see David Clifford for his club and I couldn't get over the amount of people like I know we've seen it on Twitter we've seen the videos but my god it was it was different level you know it was coming over the intercoms you know please don't go on to the pitch till the final whistle so it wasn't don't go on the pitch and
3: some of the children actually went on the pitch before the full time whistle I saw them having to kind of usher back into the corner and then go back out again
2: so they were all lined up so it wasn't that you couldn't go on the pitch because sometimes that's the case it was just wait for the final whistle and before the whistle goes Yeah they uh, just thrown on the, the, the but here's David now that is, um, I spoke to him uh, just I straight after definitely, yeah
3: I will hear from David Clifford in a second. Someone was a bit too fast on the uh, the trigger there. Uh, <laughs> to Once to again, David to hear from Clifford them. even beforehand. But um, two very well taken goals for Fossa coming up to halftime probably made a difference as well. A bit of a swirling wind, but the goals that Emma O'Shea and Keane O'Shea score mm-hmm. put them into a very good position because they're going in two seven to six with the elements to come in the second half. Then
2: yeah, this is it. And that wind was very very strong. Like in the first half, Fossa had the wind, and I think Castletown that was a big blow for them. You know, they would have liked to get to had the wind for that little bit of extra advantage, because obviously they might have felt they were up against it anyway. But um yeah, Fossa had it, they took advantage of it, and then coming out in the second half and getting that goal really was a, a sucker blow for Castletown. And from then on, you, you sort of saw their heads drop a small bit, you know, there was a few balls just ballooned in and things like that. And I suppose... That all happens when you're, you know, a couple of points down and, you know, your panic station sort of starting to kick in. Um, you could definitely see that. But Fossa, I think they really wanted to finish strong. Like, I saw David, he sort of signalled to the to the management, like, I don't know if he was signalling, say, bring on the subs or let's keep it going now I think he was saying bring on the the subs to give them all a run and the minute he said it you know the management started turning to each other and they started bringing all the lads off the bench when I asked the management after the game he said, no, he was just saying to keep it going, keep it going, <laughs> to just keep up the momentum and finish the game out strong. Maybe he did. But uh, I thought it was funny that maybe he did say to bring on the subs and they all got on and they all they all sort of, you know, got their chance because the next game's Crow Park. It's a final. You mightn't get your time there. Um, so it's important to, to give these lads a run. And so many of them that came on made an impact as well. So it's definitely not just the Clifford show. But uh, it was very interesting to watch him uh, for his club. I thought, yeah, he is a very special player. Like I don't know, have you ever seen this like within the G.A. before to this level?
3: Not really. I did wonder about this on Saturday. There have been some players who it was very clear they were going to be stars from a young age. And I'm thinking of Joe Canning, I'm thinking of Michael Murphy in recent times. Uh, Even Henry Shefflin, to an extent, used to get mobbed after games. But... For people to go and actually watch them, I don't think since Canning, because there were friends of mine who went to Leash on Saturday. They weren't the kids who were on the pitch afterwards. They were just in the stand to watch <laughs> them play. I bet they
2: were. <laughs> but
3: they went along. When the option was there, the game was being streamed. They could easily have just sat at home, paid their few quid and watched it there. But they wanted to actually go and watch Clifford in the flesh playing for his club. Yeah. To see someone do that for a junior championship team particularly is remarkable. And there is this kind of superstar quality him, plus the way that he carries himself this is a guy who he's nearly 50 games I think into the calendar year at this point if we take it back to this time so last medieval. year he's had no break pretty much whatsoever because of the way the intercounty went after a run to the Sigerson final and the fact that then he went pretty much directly into Fossa played for them also played for East Kerry in the uh, regional championship but in Kerry then to play a provincial campaign and now to go all the way to an all-Ireland final yet the guy just seems the calmest person on the field every day
2: yeah, he's just loving it and I think that's, if you have that superstar quality, you probably have to have that calmness about you and take it all in your stride and that's exactly what he done with the amount of people that ran on towards him. Like, it jolted him back. Like, he was shaking his his uh marker's hand and he turned and it was just, and I'm sure he was expecting it. He obviously could see, but yeah, it, it's it's just unbelievable. Like, even to get an interview for me, it was the toughest thing I've done in a while like I obviously went there with a aim to get the David Clifford interview and I remember I was running around and a few people turned to me and they said you're fighting a losing battle here I was like yeah, I know, and I was running from one way to the other way, and I actually had learned at O'More Park that the changing rooms up the the far end they actually go through the tunnel and then out to the bus this way. So I'd learned that from the Kilkul game last year. So well, was, good,
3: good market research. Yeah, before
2: you went. Um, but I managed to get in anyway inside, uh, just outside the changing rooms because there was a mob waiting for them after the game as well like obviously immediately after but then even when they came out of the changing rooms you know there was a lot of stewards all sort of waiting around trying to get him out um, but thankfully I just asked one of the one of the guys from their club you know if at all possible but like I don't want to put any pressure on him and I'd say within two minutes well he walked out of the change room said oh yeah no bother It's like jeez, didn't think like after there was about 100 people, 200, 300 people trying to look for your autograph and selfies and everything else that he would, but uh, no, lovely lad. Also, it would
3: be perfectly understandable if at this stage he's had a long year, lots happened, he's done a million interviews over the last year for various different reasons because of, you know, being footballer of the year and the fact that Kerry had, you know, got themselves a title, what felt like a famine before they broke it this year. He is probably worn out talking about success, but still he enjoys talking about his club.
2: Yeah. And you could see that when I spoke to him, like he, he sort of lit up with all of that, you know, that he's back in with his club. And it's it's really nice that he thought that there was a chance that this would never happen. So, yeah, you can definitely feel that from him. And I think it would just be the cherry on top now if they could go the whole way. And I'm sure that's how he feels because what he's won this year, I didn't want to list out everything that he had won to mm-hmm. him. But I'd be there a while because it has been one successful year for him. Um, and I know we're in 2023 but you know it is the 2022 season as well and this would just be I think cap it all off of the most successful year possible really
3: Let's hear from David Clifford then speaking Dash Ash at O'Moore Park after Foss's win at the weekend
0: It is definitely yeah um, obviously look the, the Kerry stuff is um, is what you, you know, what you always look to do when you're growing up yeah um, Whereas with Fossa, like Uber's probably days we were questioning maybe whether this would ever happen first because the Kerry championship is so is so strong. Um, so now you know, as I said, it's special, and I suppose it'll be all undone is the only thing if we don't get over the line next week. So um, everything knows is riding on that one.
2: Yeah, you have a big test to Tyrone team, Stewartstown. Do you know anything about them?
0: Um, yeah, we we I think the lads have done a bit of research. there now as the year was going on. Um, I'm sure we had someone up there watching as well. So um, no, they'll, they'll be very tough. Um, look in any Tyrone team you know what you're going to get um, always have very skillful forwards and are always going to keep it very tight at the back so um, no it's going to be very difficult yeah.
2: this is my first time seeing you play for your club um, the pandemonium that goes on with it I couldn't believe the amount of people I've seen the videos obviously on Twitter but the amount of people that ran on before the final whistle then they had to go off and then they ran again how do you find all of that because obviously it's an amateur sport playing for your local club like it's mad
0: that's mad I was afraid some kid was going to get hurt out there Um no, it is. Look, it's, it's, it's great. Um, yeah. It's probably worse when you come outside of Kerry. I think the Kerry people are probably probably used to seeing us now. So, um, sure, look, it's great. It's great to be um, some sort of a role model to kids out there. Um, if it keeps them playing Gaelic football for a bit longer, it's great. Yeah, and look, your interview pretty much went, went viral over the weekend. Um, because this is what happens. People
3: hear it's about it.
2: Clifford. People <laughs> are like,
3: oh, Clifford got mobs. So, therefore, they see the video. It's like, I hear Clifford <laughs> talking about getting mobs. So, yeah. it's the right time at the right place. But I think he has a great attitude there, which is, yeah. these are kids who are interested in the game. If I can potentially keep them interested in Gaelic football, that's a bonus. I just go out and play and if these kids want to come and talk to me, great.
2: That's it and it like the amount of kids that would have left on Park wanting to go out and kick football out the back garden or go out to their local club, like it has a knock on effect definitely there's no doubt about it and he's d- delighted with that side of things you know if that's what it's doing then you know it's, it's only a positive thing and yeah he's such a role model within the game but as we were saying I don't know if I've ever seen this level you know the Gooch was up there as well but uh, I think this is taken to a, to a new level but uh, yeah phenomenal phenomenal player and yeah to see him with his club it was, it was something else well
3: So, Stewartstown Harps are their opponents uh, this coming Sunday lunchtime at Crow Park. It's a quick enough turnaround in the eight days. Uh, Stewartstown winning against Clifton in the end after extra time at Doctor Hyde Park. Um, Clifton would be left a little bit disappointed because they missed a freeze and they also missed a penalty during the game too. Uh, Jerry Gibbons had a very good game for them. He got eight from nine from set pieces but saw his penalty saved. And then it was Gareth Devlin who made the difference. As I mentioned a bit earlier, one goal and six points he got. Stewartstown were behind for the vast majority of that game. Uh, They got themselves level really, really late on, Park, one uh, of their defenders, ended up in the scoring position uh, to kick the point that sent it to extra time. And they just had that little bit extra in extra time to get over. So there will probably be a difficult enough um, nut to crack uh, when it comes to the final. Particularly, they've found themselves behind at halftime, having played with the wind. Yeah. So they had to dig in a little bit in that game. That's so. it,
2: and I think that'll stand to them. And a Tyrone and Kerry team coming up against mm-hmm. each other, you know, it's, it's always interesting, I think, um, for Kerry as well. You know, they've... Well I'm thinking back to the semi-final the All-Ireland semi-final obviously David Clifford when I asked him about Stewartstown he said you know you know what you get with a Tyrone team you know they're going to be defensively solid and Stewartstown definitely are they left a lot behind them in that game as well Mm that they probably wouldn't have been happy with, but to come out the other end was the main thing. Like the scores were coming out over a Moore Park constantly and we were hearing that it was going extra time and the whole lot. So, um, yeah, it'll be tough for them after only eight days. Well, like that's a very short period of time. Especially if um, you
3: played extra time.
2: Exactly. Last week. Yeah, yeah, big time. So, you know, I think that could have an effect too. Um, but look, I suppose they're both in the same boat, really. I know extra time's a little bit more, but still, you know, they're both in the same boat that they were played the same day so uh, yeah it'll be a very very tough one to call that one but that's going to be very interesting
3: mm. Intermediate Football Championship uh, semi-finals the weekend gone by again Kerry and Tyrone coming through uh, Ratmore or Kerry who were strong favourites going into their game against Federative Wexford coming through in the end 216 to 110 probably the most noteworthy thing for Ratmore and probably something good for them going into the final 10 different scores they had across the team uh, yeah. which is incredible uh, Shane Ryan the Kerry goalkeeper and his brother Mark got 1-7 between them during the that's game that's
2: unreal isn't it that yeah. he plays outfield well it's a corner forward isn't it
3: yeah And as Morris Brosnan mentioned, he's at a point now where I think his shoulder needs surgery. But there's no way that's going to happen before the final is finished this Sunday afternoon. So no. maybe he goes, gets assessed. I don't know how much of the league he'll potentially miss for Kerry, but he's proven very, very important uh, for them. Scored his first goal in the 12th minute during the game. Then they went off and they reeled off 2-5. And then bizarrely, Moore after that, who had found themselves 11 points down, actually managed to bring it back to four and bring it to a bit of a game. Uh, but then Moore had a little bit too much in the end. So there's incredible Kerry dominance at this level, Ash, as well. Nine times in 16 years, they provided a the finalist in the All-Ireland Club intermediate media football so maybe that says a lot about the composition of the Kerry Championships where the strength is
2: yeah big time and obviously we're going to talk about the the senior semi-finals as well but you could see there wasn't a massive difference in the level you Mm -hmm. know um, so, like, obviously, it was went right to the wire—a goal in it in the end. It could have went either way, but uh, yeah. Even just for for Kerry to have three teams competing at the weekend was was something else. But you can definitely see the dominance within the the Kerry Championship and the strength of it.
3: Yeah. So the other finalists then are Valley Pierce, as mentioned. Ron Nugent uh, scored a hat trick of goals in the first half. Uh, they were to a very um, unusual position with the scoreline: three goals and a point to one goal and five four scores in the first half, and three of them bringing up green flags. Yeah. Uh, but then in the second half, Dummer. Cales of Galway took control and it looked like they were about to win the game and then Daniel Kerr got a goal very late on for Gabali who sent them through so uh, they had to scrap through a little bit at St. Norman's for that one but as we mentioned Tyrone against Kerry in that final. Uh, we've also got the senior finals coming up on Sunday week and we know that it's going to be a meeting of Derry and Dublin in the senior final. First time since 1995 champions that year. Kill oh, Croaks. Right. Uh, so maybe they'll be hoping that's an no, no. omen after what happened last <laughs> year. I'm delighted to say that Colm Keyes is with us now. Colm how are you getting on? Uh, we'll go across the column in a second. So, but chemical crooks leading um, it, in the end against Karen Rags coming through one fourteen to fourteen points. There was big expectation about Kilmaco going into this semi final mm-hmm. last week. What did you make of their performance?
2: Yeah, they were hot favourites going in. Will and it wasn't the case that they had it all their own way. And I thought that was how I personally mm-hmm. thought it might go. But I think a lot of people thought that you know Karen rally you know, they weren't going to be able to keep with this Code team and. You know, it was, I think it was a point in it, was at a point at a, at half time, two points in it, sorry, half time, and then a goal in it in the end, and it all came down to that free, oh my God, and David Moore just got a fist to it, and I thought it was going in, and it was just saved off the line, and yeah, Kilmacud lived to, to see the, the final once again, but it was deja vu of what happened last year against Goku. And, you know, speaking to their manager afterwards, you know, I I said, you you must have been heart-in-your-mouth stuff. And he said, absolutely, like, how can we not close out games? And it is a bit of a concern, you know, for them. And they had so many chances. You raised
3: the point last week, and it was a very fair one. So this is the most they've conceded, 14 scores since they played Mm. against Nace. In the Leinster quarterfinals. Yep. But then they had two very comfortable victories against Port Arlington and against the Downs in their semi final and final. So, therefore, they haven't really been pushed this close since, particularly the Nace game, or maybe even since the Dublin mm-hmm. Championship. There was maybe that feeling you know, when it was about closing out games that they haven't had to really close the last two out because they had
2: both those games won by half time. That's it, and you can have all the strength and depth and all the talented players. But if you can't actually go out and have this really strong opposition to be able to, you know, work on things, to be able to, you know, put in performances together. And I don't think they overly had that because they were maybe that bit stronger than the likes of the Leinster teams. So coming up against Kieran Zorali, I think you could see a few few holes, but maybe this will be the turning point for them now that they've had that and they'll go into the next game now. And they'll see this massive performance, you know. Um, it could go either way, but yeah, it definitely was probably a bit of a close call for them. They would have liked to close the game out a hell of a lot easier, but uh, they got over the line and they, they won't care either way that they're in the finals, all that matters.
3: Absolutely. Colin Keyes is with us now. Um, Colin, we're just chatting about Kim and uh, victory there. And, you know, Robbie Brennan admitted afterwards, and I thought maybe this would be something he might have missed after the final and when the trophy is presented, that his screen server on his phone is still Kilku going up to get the cup last year. So it seems very clear what chemical croaks have been drawing inspiration from this season.
1: There's no doubt he said it was on his one of his screensavers. Uh, he didn't necessarily say all the players had it, but it's a personal reminder uh, for him of that heartbreaking defeat last year. Although a much more tangible reminder, I feel, will be those last few moments that you've just been speaking about there uh, with regard to last Sunday's semi-final and... Uh, you know, they were very, very comfortable, I thought, for a lot of that game. And for some reason, they just retreated in the last six, seven minutes and allowed uh, a cairns Ratley's team, who who I, I felt were never that close to them, even though they had David Moran playing so well at midfield. They almost invited them on uh, to them at the end. And even before that last attack um there, there was another one previously where you could just see the panic was palpable in Kilmacud Croaks. and maybe it stems from from last year. Be you know, in in a big game in Crow Park, obviously they played two more games in Leinster there, but they weren't even close. But maybe there was a bit of uh, a bit of memory from that uh, coming coming back to them in those closing stages. That that fear of that fear of what happened. It's probably always going to be there. And I suppose it's better it's happened happened them here than maybe in the final uh, in in two weeks time because uh, they can really steal themselves and 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 build themselves around it. But yeah, very candid from Robbie to uh, to admit that uh, before the final, um, it, you you wouldn't often see it, but he's 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 quite open like that.
3: Mm. Yeah, I definitely think there was a psychological side to a column when it came to the lead being lost, because I thought when they went seven points up, it felt like, right, this is the moment where, like the last few games, they're going to work their way through this. and There'll probably be a similar margin come full time. But in the end, it gets pulled back to three points. I think there was a little bit of white line fever for them here.
1: I think there probably was. And also, they, <clears throat> they haven't really been tested. And again, you've mentioned that since... I wouldn't even say they were tested in the next game because they got out early in that game with with goals midway through the first half mm. and were really in control and was really only they were always eight seven eight nine points ahead in that game. So really, the second half of the Nafina game in Dublin was the last time that they they, they probably felt they were really in a battle uh, until last Sunday. And at times, at times they were comfortable last Sunday too. So uh, um, it it was probably uh, you know. Uh, a more recent experience for them to be to be in such a battle because they, they just haven't had them. They didn't have them against the downs. They didn't have it against Portarlington, even though Portarlington one of the teams that tested them best uh, in the previous year's campaign. So their defense has been very very good and has held up. And although they conceded those fourteen scores, another another clean sheet now. So that's that's five and five in a row. And I feel if they could add a sixth clean sheet, there would be a long way to winning uh, to winning that club title.
3: Yeah, Before we come in you mentioned the fact that second half maybe they got a little bit more of a handle on David Moran but first half particularly he ruled the skies entirely around midfield
2: Yeah I think that was probably an area that column they were probably tested most in was midfield obviously David Moran one of the best midfielders there is in the country but I think when they changed in that second half to I think it was uh, Rory O'Carroll that came in then on, on in the second half that went on him then and there wasn't as much fielding in the second half that he'd, he'd done in the first and that probably gave them a bit of a handle on the game as a whole.
1: Yeah, and I was probably surprised he was as, as as dominant because Craig Diaz has been has been playing very well and while he didn't pair off in that game, he, in that area, uh, he has been going very well. But David Moore is an absolute master fielder of the ball and also distributor too. Obviously, box-to-box to box wouldn't be like a, what, what it once was for him. But on, under kickouts, there are few, if anyone, better in the game than David Moore to stand under a kickout like that catch it, make space for himself and distribute the ball. And obviously, it'll log go well for, for Kerry uh, and his prospects of remaining on with Kerry too. Uh, but he certainly gave he certainly gave uh, Cairns O'Reilly a very, very strong hold there for a long time. And I felt all their principles. Uh, Jack Savage moved very well as well uh, in, in the er- in the early stages. Barry John Keane looked lively. Tommy Walsh started well. Um, he started well. But probably faded but the service of ball didn't come into him after that but David yeah. Moran for sure really gave Kilmacud a lot of problems
2: Yeah I thought if the ball was a bit quicker into Tommy especially in that second half like he was shown for it many of the times but they just couldn't lay it off in time and then they were blocked up again and it wasn't on if they were that bit quicker it felt at times they were just that bit slower Kearns
1: Yeah sometimes uh, Tommy likes the hopping ball in front of him he's actually quite good to get out in front of a hopping, hopping ball like that but uh, on this occasion he was very very well marked mm. um and i thought the ball played into him was probably coming from too far out when it was put in there and he was a little bit behind so from in that regard there was there was a bit of a disconnect uh i just felt that at that stage croaks were on top until those last maybe maybe five or ten minutes um when when the ball was a lot more threatening being put across because they had retreated and invited invited and orrallies onto them
3: when it comes to that midfield sector as well, Colm, I'm sure Glenn will be looking at this video and reviewing it along the way. Considering the strength they have in the middle third, and we saw that in the other semi-final as well, is that an area where they feel maybe they can get some change now in the final after what Kerner Alex did in midfield the last time?
1: I would say so. I think Conor, Conor Glass and Emmett Bradley are a very, very formidable midfield partnership they could well be the midfield partnership for Derry, the All-Ireland semi-finalists. And at some stages in last year's championship, they actually were the midfield partnership. And Emmett Bradley, while while he may not make it for 70 minutes at inter-county championship level, for 60 minutes at club level, he's, he's, he's a real presence there. And he can get up the field and score points. You saw the two points from play he scored uh, the last day. Uh, and then Conor Glass... I, I always feel I, I look, obviously he has made since he since he returned from from AFL he has made a huge difference to Derry and now obviously Glenn too so he makes a huge difference to both teams but I feel there's even more in him from an attacking point of view yet he was superb yeah. defensively the last day and he got forward to kick to kick one score but I always feel there's more in him there's actually more in in him but. Uh, I feel it's an area that, that, that Glenn can surely dominate. And I, I think Kilmock are going to have to get out in front uh, to win this game because if they're chasing it, it's going to be very, very difficult with Blas performing that screening role that he does so well. He's like an extra defender there and he does it really well. So, uh, yeah, I think it's an area where Glenn can can, can really um, get some gains.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Connor, he was so impressive to watch. Ozzie Emmett, I thought that was best performance I'd seen from Emmett Bradley in a, a long, long time. Um those two points in particular, I know one went to Hawkeye as well. I thought it was over but uh, it was ruled out. But I think Connor as well, he does all the hard work. He gets back and he's still so composed then when he gets up to, to lay his shot off and he scored a, a great score as well. But uh, Maliki was saying afterwards that, you know, he was he was sick all week and that he had a, a flu or a, a cold so he wasn't at his best and it's it's unreal as Colin was saying. Like you know, he could go to you tights. You can see this from him. Like you're just, you can feel that he's that type of player. That there's going to be big performances to come. And yeah, uh, just that midfield, I would not like to be coming up against it if I was Kilmaago. That's for sure.
3: No, they're are a tough nut to crack, um, Colin. This could make for a very interesting final. Like both these teams are good. At defending their own goal, you mentioned already a good chemical croaks are at it, but Glenn were very good. They forced Michael into making some poor decisions with the ball they were putting into their forward line as well. We could well see a very good final of attack and counter-attack in two weeks' time.
1: Yeah, and the two counter-attackers that they have uh, chiefly are Jack Doherty and Ethan Doherty on the half-forward line, but uh, two great ball carriers. real Certainly Jack Doherty, and he's very distinguishable by, by the colour of his hair. Uh, he was very, very noticeable, very prominent in the game last uh, last weekend he really he really took it to to Mike Cullen time and time again he's a real heads up footballer a smart footballer and a and a really really good kick passer too that was very noticeable in contrast to Mike Cullen who rarely kicked the ball and they they really played into Glenn's hands once Glenn got that 4-0 lead uh, I felt okay it wasn't game over but that, you know, it, the momentum was really with Glenn then because they could pack that D knowing that Mike Cullen's game style is is almost the crash ball through Sean Kelly and Owen Gallagher and these players who who love to play, who love to play through the hands all the time. And uh, I felt they played into Glenn's hands by repeatedly doing that and not trying to create more space up front. It was very, very difficult for Mike Cullen because when Glenn set themselves up that day, that way they were really, really hard to beat. So uh, Mike Cullen played into their hands, but Glenn uh very, very resourceful in defence. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Glass there. When he drops back, he's, he, he's such a good defensive midfielder. Um, and Ryan Dugan is maybe the best player in the, in the club championship at full back at the moment. He was terrific in the Ulster final too and very, very strong last Sunday also. So uh, they're very, very strong defensively uh, and through the two Doherty's uh, very, very quick on the counter attack too. So that that makes them very, very dangerous opponents once they get on top.
3: Mm. I think there's got to be a lot of frustration from Moy Cullen coming for the weekend though you mentioned that four points a no-score lead that became 6-4 by half time. that's nearly 20 minutes Moy Cullen went without a score in the first half and in the end Peter Cook, Desi Keneally scored 10 of the 12 points between them like realistically there just weren't enough people chipping in to keep that scoreboard going
1: Yeah and that's probably been the way from them before Desi Keneally scored 10 points against Westport that day Peter uh, Peter Cook wasn't playing in the first in the Connacht quarter final, and Keneally was really, really sharp that day. But he was allowed the space in front of the goals. Westport were just after coming off the back of their first uh, Mayo title a couple of weeks earlier, so uh, it, it was difficult for them to reset in those circumstances. And Desi went to town on them that day, but they, they weren't overly impressive from an attacking point of view in any of the other Connacht games, I felt. And as we said, that running game. Uh, really does lend itself um in certain circumstances but not playing a team like Glenn who set up so defensively and i felt they ran down so many cul-de-sacs and, and didn't really threaten for a goal either at, at any stage uh they didn't they didn't really didn't really force their way inside the the, the last line of defense of of, of glen um enough for at any stage really to to threaten and, and while they have regrets about uh you know, Desi Kennedy missed that free. Peter Cook just pulled another kick as well that probably, probably could have got them closer and perhaps even forced extra time. But I always felt Glenn had that little advantage on the counter attack through those two Dohertys that made them just slightly better.
3: Yeah, you felt that was a crucial moment. I know it was a difficult free for Desi Keneally to won seven minutes from time in normal time, mm-hmm. but potentially could have brought the game back to a one-score game if that had gone over.
2: Yeah, it was a one-point game then, um, and it was on the edge of the D. It was actually quite difficult, and he had done so well all throughout the, the day, but uh, yeah, I think that might have been the turning point in the game. But sure, look, they, they they brought it back to a three point game, and it was the last kick of the game. And I don't know, it's strange. He went for a goal, then. he laid it off to Peter Cook, wasn't it? And then yeah, went for a goal then, and we almost thought up in the press box that it was a foot block because I think um, referee just put his hands out, and I was like, is this going for a penalty?
3: It was Dave got signalling the end of the game? Wasn't yes, it? but he You're was thinking?
2: sorry, Dave got Yeah, and he was yeah he was signalling the end of the game, but it almost looked like he was saying a penalty. So we were sort of looking around, going no this is drama but um, no it was the end of the game thankfully for Glenn anyway they were delighted at that point but uh, I know I spoke to some of them after and they said the same thing that we thought oh no this is going for a penalty but yeah it was drama so they did They had that was probably the main goal chance as Colm said they didn't have overly a lot of goal chances they couldn't get in to that point to actually get in on goal but uh, yeah it was all Desi Keneally really with his with his freeze to keep them in the game
3: mm. We'll talk about the game in a lot more detail next week Colm but your own feeling about this final then uh, you know, Glenn are obviously going to Tremendous journey to get here. They've beaten the All Ireland finalists Kilku on their way to the final. Kilmacud going back in after the pain of last year. Who do you fancy on Sunday week?
1: Uh, I think Kilmacud croaked but if Glen if Glen get ahead in this game, will I feel that uh, they will be very very hard to to given the way they set up set up with with Conor Glass sitting back. I think they really have that down to a very fine art, but. Croaks, at the other end, are really, really strong defensively too. And what Conor Glass does for Glenn, Rory O'Carroll will do for for Croaks too. And the the defenders, uh, Adrian Jones, Andrew McGowan, Dan O'Brien, who who are all in really, really top form too. And as I said, they haven't conceded a goal for for so long now. Uh, I'd be concerned about Croaks midfield. They have a lot of mobility up front as well. But ultimately, the great X factor here is is Shane Walsh. What type of game will Shane Walsh have? I felt he was reserved. He had some great moments, kicked a great score, made a couple of uh, exhilarating runs uh, to create what create two goal chances actually in in either half. Um, but he sat off the play <coughs> quite a lot, and Cormac Coffey tracked him tracked him well. But what I said about Conor Glass will also always apply to Shane Walsh. He can he can just come off the base he hadn't his most prominent game for play from play against Derry in last year's All Ireland semi final and then came out in the All Ireland final and had one of the delivered one of the great performances, as we know. So he can he can do that. He's always capable of doing that. Uh Croaks didn't have Shane Walsh last year, nor did they have Paul Mannion and they brought Kilku right to the end of extra time and forced that goal out of them. Probably should have won the game. So put Walsh into that team, perhaps 15 minutes from <clears throat> from Paul Mannion, and that gives them a very, very strong hand. But uh, I feel Glenn are very well constructed in how to defend. They're going to be extremely hard to break down. That said, I think, I think Walsh is the X factor. Uh, he's the determining factor here. If he goes out and has, has one of those games, I think it'll be Croke's game with a little bit of help from Paul Mannion. But also players like Shane Cunningham as well have been in, in really good form for the two and, and Hugh Kenny. So the, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot for folks to work on, obviously, with how they didn't close out the game the last day. But it's a timely reminder, one that you probably uh, you don't need a screensaver for, as, <laughs> as Robbie suggested. I don't think so. I think the memory of those last few minutes will really stir them over the next few weeks and having lost last year, there's always that bit of hurt. It might just carry them over the line this time.
3: Colin, great to catch up with you. Thanks a million. Thanks, Will. Thanks, ashie Thanks, Colum. You mentioned Shane Obviously You were watching him from the stands in Crow Park at mm-hmm. the weekend. He comes to life because I am, in my notes here, the fact that all the Croaks forwards, except for Walsh, score from play in the first half. He scored a free. He got a free. And then at times, he looked like he was drifting a bit out of the game. But you can obviously see better than we can on the TV that he comes to life when they attack.
2: Yeah, I was sort of watching him off the ball quite a lot because I know previously there've been reports that he was looking up at the screen and he judges his runs that way, so I was sort of watching him quite a bit more at the weekend and he lacked probably a little bit of energy, you know, that we normally expect from his standards, you know. Um I think Column alluded to to it there that he, you know, he wasn't involved in the game as much as we would expect. Um, he was that bit quieter, so after the game I was sort of expecting maybe them to say he was maybe had a cold or something during the week and he wasn't fully at his at his full fitness but as you said he, all that aside when he gets on the ball well he just creates constantly and he had those two goal chances one particularly in the second half that most definitely should have been a goal and um, it just wasn't given back to him in time but yeah he just always creates something out of nothing and it's his pace it's frightening like it's it's honestly frightening he takes off and he's very hard to stay with so yeah, it's it's hard to look by Kilmer when they have the likes of Shane Walsh when you know he can turn on this superstar performance and no one else can. So it, it is hard to look by them in that way. And obviously Paul Mannion, he was uh, he was kicking uh, a few scores before the game, you mm-hmm. know, in the warm-up. Um, he was involved. But yeah, was he to come on or not? I, I, I don't know. But yeah he, he might play a small part I'm sure they would Robbie
3: Brennan said he was two weeks we won't really know a little bit closer to it. we are hoping he can have some involvement Yeah. I was just reading his quotes in the press conference um, this is Robbie Brennan the chemical croaks mentor he said Paul is close to this stage he's running and kicking I think everyone is happy with where he's at it's just whether he's able to go back in he hasn't played since which was referring back to his injury in the Dublin Championship in late September so it's a big ask at this stage but he has two more weeks the final was always a possibility uh, the plan for him time wise was to be back if we got to the final but if he can play or not is another thing. So that yeah. kind of reveals that he is, because I mean, we were talking last week to Andrew Gowden, he made the point that he's been back in doing some training. Mm-hmm. I think he did about 15 minutes of the warm-up. I think some people were counting at the weekend.
2: Yeah. he Yeah, he did a bit of it and he was doing a, quite a lot of kicking. I always think if you're kicking, mm. you know, you're, some, you must be there, thereabouts. Um Yeah, so I, I'd say they would like to see some Part of him play, you know, in the final because obviously it's a major blow if he wasn't to, to play. But yeah, obviously you need to be up to the fitness and the whole lot. You know, it's an all-Ireland final in Crow Park, so yeah, it's a lot of time to have spent away to to jump back in. But I'm sure that they're, they're going to hope to see something out of him. But yeah, even all that said, I still my head is still telling me that, that Glenn is Glenn can do this, I think.
3: I can't. I really can't call it. Like we have yeah. another week now to ponder about this, but mm. just based on the evidence of the two games it's very difficult. It's
2: very, it. very difficult. Um obviously the midfielder Glenn is probably what's standing out in my mind, but uh Look, it's Gilma Yeah, you're mm. never going to write them off in a million years. <laughs>
3: That's Sunday week. So the hurling is going to be at half past one on Sunday week at Crow Park and the football's going to be the second game at half past three. So Crow Park will host two doubleheaders this coming weekend, uh, starting with the hurling games, which are on Saturday. So the five o'clock start is the junior hurling championship final. Bally Gibbon of Cork back in the decider again against Eastkey of Sligo. That is the 5pm game. And then at 7pm, uh, we are chatting about Monline a little bit earlier of Limerick up against Toreen of Mayo. And then on Sunday, focus goes on to the football. We were talking about the semi-finals a little bit earlier from last weekend. But the Junior Football Championship final, Fossa of Kerry up against Stewart's and Harps of Tyrone is the half-past one game. It's Kerry versus Tyrone in the intermediate decider as well. Ratmore of Kerry up against Galbally pierces at half-past three. So another bumper weekend of action to look forward to. We'll be looking back on those games and previewing the All-Ireland Club senior finals next week. We'll chat to you then. Thanks again.
2: The Club Championship Show on OTB in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag the toughest.